please stand for today's scripture reading. Today's reading comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them on the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with the great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? This is the word of God. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you that... um, you're able to breathe life by your spirit in us uh, through your words uh, written so long ago and yet uh, so relevant and so fresh uh, to us today. Um, Help us, Lord, to see uh, your truth uh, in all of life uh, for today, uh, that we would um, come to see what you have for us today, uh, that you would open our eyes to see it, you would open our ears, um, for we're deaf and you would melt and soften our our stubborn hearts because we are resistant and uh, shape us, Father, into your image, uh, the image of your Son and your likeness. Amen. Is God asleep? Is God sleeping? Um, That's the, the question that Christians have often asked for so many years, time and time and time again, Christians ask, is God asleep? And I think it's a question that people all around the world ask, Christian or not, when tragedy strikes, when something bad happens in the world that we don't necessarily know how to explain, um, when there's another mass shooting that goes across the the news headlines that we hear about, or when a natural disaster strikes, like another hurricane, or another windstorm, or another tidal wave, is God asleep? If God is so great and good, why do events happen so badly? Why does my life not go the way it should go? Is God asleep? That's the question that comes up. And if if God really cares, why doesn't he stop evil from happening? The response that some people give to these questions is either God is not great and good, right? A, God's not great and good, or B, God doesn't care. God doesn't care at all. I want us to look at a third reason. I want to push us and, and, and point us to, to a third reason that we find Mark's, uh, the disciples saying in Mark's gospel in, in Mark chapter 4, when the, dis- the disciples ask this very question of God, when he's literally sleeping, they ask this question. And just because events in this world or events in our lives don't necessarily play out the way that we want them to, it doesn't mean that God isn't great, good, or that he doesn't care. It just means 
that we don't always understand the reasons why they're happening. But we can trust the one who does. We can trust in the one who does. And so there's three truths that I want us to look at about storms. I want you to know because knowing these three truths about storms will help you guard against the lie that God doesn't care. That God is sleeping. And so the first of these is storms will come. So let's look at this first point here. Storms will come. Storms will come, and it's often Jesus who leads us into the middle of a storm. Now, does that surprise you at all that Jesus is the one who might lead us into a storm? Does that shock you a little bit? Does that surprise you that he might lead us that way? Um, Verse 35 says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, that's Jesus, he said to them, Let's go across to the other side. So notice it was Jesus who had this great idea to go across the Sea of Galilee um, during a time of a storm. And the disciples follow suit, as verse 36 says, and leaving the crowd, they they took him with them in a boat, just as he was, and other boats were with them, verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, and the boat was already filling. Now, I know it's it's true that sometimes we're the ones who drive ourselves into a storm, (laughs) Right? Our own foolishness or our own sinfulness leads us into a storm that we probably could have avoided. Right? So we can think of those times. But it's also possible that Jesus is the one who brings us into a storm, like we see here. People often think of Christianity as an escape plan. It's kind of an exit strategy to get away from hardship, to get away from difficulty. Oh, of course you become a Christian. Um, You know, it must be nice to be a Christian, to have this view of the world, to believe. uh, It must be comforting to be a Christian. It helps people get through hard times, and and so, uh, you know, people leave it at that. And I think others think that Christianity is an escape plan, and such that, uh, you know, you can, when you become a Christian, you can avoid all things in the world. And so... Uh, some people will choose to, you know, sign up for all of the Christian events and fill up the calendar and just use Christianity as a way to avoid unchurched people. Um, so again, you know, Christianity is this exit plan. But Christianity is no exit strategy. On the contrary, Christianity brings us into more difficulty, more hard times. Later in Mark's gospel, we'll see more persecutions. Um, And Christianity tells us, instead of avoiding our neighbors, that we're to love our neighbors. Even go so far as to say that we're to love our enemies. Those who are not like us, those who do not like us, now we have to love them too. So it's a religion that's far from escapism. It wasn't established by someone who left... It was, I'm sorry. It was established by someone who left convenience in a high place of authority to become lowly and to live an inconvenient life and enter into a broken world. I'm talking about Jesus, of course. Um, but I like how, how Psalm 23, how Psalm 23 captures and describes as a matter of fact, right, that Christians will live in hardship. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk, it's like straight up, like, it's acknowledging the fact that you're going to have dark valleys. You're going to live in dark valleys at some point in life. 
There are no exceptions to this if you're a Christian. That's how life will be sometimes. Storms will come. Storms will come. Peter writes in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, he says this. He says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Or James, he puts it like this in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So not only are we to expect, right, uh, that storms will come, but the New Testament pictures that we should count it all joy, when we meet various trials, when, when storms come, that we should have a response of joy on our lips. What a strange religion Christianity is, right? Our faith will be tested. Storms will come. For these disciples on the boat, it literally happened this way. A big, massive storm struck their boat. And so this is the second truth about storms, that storms can shake us. So I want to look at this. Storms can shake us. Jesus is asleep on the stern of, uh, at the stern of a boat on a cushion. And now the Sea of Galilee, it was a place that was subject to violent storms. Where, uh, if, you know, if you're on a, a boat that has relatively low walls, and there's these high waves, what happens? Low wall, high wave, big problem, Right? pouring in, water's pouring into the boats, and the boats are essentially about to sink. So storms can shake us. Let's look at verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? And that is probably the most, hmm, the most inconsiderate question that they could have asked Jesus. Do you not care, Jesus? They said that. So the same Jesus who left heaven, became human, was literally in the boat with them during this storm, and was going to go all the way to the cross for them, had been telling them of his intentions to do that, that this is why he's here and such, because he did care for them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, for whoever believes in him shall not perish, but has everlasting life. John 3.16. Let me ask this question today. Um, when a storm comes your way and times get hard, do you, do you find yourself like the disciples? Do you find yourself like the disciples and do you let that storm come in between, come in between your relationship with God and, 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 and cause a rift, cause a gap? I was talking to a, a friend the other day and uh, this friend shared with me that when she was going through a rough time, a very hard season, uh, her husband's health, health was, was failing and, and she was upset with the circumstances. So she got really angry with God. Right? She started to get upset and, and she didn't want to talk to him anymore. That was her response. So she stopped praying. A storm like that can shake any of us right? and make us cold, grow cold. Is that how you respond to storms? Is that your reaction to a storm? Do they rattle you? Do they shake you so much that they make you mute before God? 
truth is, when storms come, like the disciples we're facing, I think we often do doubt God's love for us. We doubt his love. And when that happens, we let the thunder of the storm drown out the voice of God. Thunder's loud. So it's easy, it's understandable that that might happen. But we let that happen. We forget that even though life might be hard or unfair or uncertain, that God is not mad at us or out to get us or ignoring us. He truly and only loves us in Christ. Always. That's why he went all the way to the cross. That's why he showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And yet we find ourselves, right, asking this question like the disciples, do you not care, Jesus? Do you not care, God? If you cared, then why are you asleep? Why aren't you awake right now when I need you? But I think what that question, is God sleeping, what it reveals is at the bottom, what it reveals is that we have this desire, this need to be in control. We want to be the ones who are calling the shots. We want to be in charge. We want to know what's going on and have the tools ourselves to fix things, to get things done. And we want, it to, we want to do it all on our own timeline, not God's. That's the rub, I think, of this passage where it kind of hits us in the heart. It shows us that we often accuse God of being careless or asleep during our time of need. But the reality is we... We just want to be calling the shots. We don't care if Jesus cares. What we want is a God we can manipulate and bend to our wills. God will, will you fit this into this plan into my life, right? God, will you give me this husband? God, will you give me this spouse? God, will you give me this job? God, will you give me this car? Will you give me this specific thing that I've been wanting? God. And in all these ways, you know, We might say, God, where are you? Why are you sleeping, God? But what we're really saying is, God, get out of my way if you can't give me what I want. But Jesus is the one who's in control. He wakes and he calms the storm. The sea is this place of chaos, great danger in the Bible. But in this miracle of calming this big storm... Jesus is this God over chaos. He is the God of Genesis, the God who who creates order out of chaos, who brings light into darkness. He's the only one whom we can depend and, and trust in. And so what we have to see, what we need to see, is that Jesus is the one who's in control. And the truth is, storms are gonna come in your life. They will chaos, disorder will come into your life and break up the perfection, the perfect, you know, how things are going, a a really prime schedule where everything's, you know, according to plan. And just a storm will come and break it all up and mess it all up. And you're going to experience days or or weeks or seasons of, of chaos and disorder. And in the middle of that chaos, you need to recognize that even though storms come, it's, it's, God's job to calm them, not yours. It's not even our job to try. God is in control. Finally, storms won't sink us. Verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, 
peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Verse, verse 40. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So these waves, they're, they're threatening. They're like beasts, howling beasts. But Jesus is so sure of God's peace and security and protection and presence, his power and presence, that he can be sound asleep, right? Soundly on a pillow during all of this. And we see the disciples, on the other hand, how, how do they respond? What is their reaction? Are they calm and collected and sleeping soundly on a pillow? What do you think? No. Right? They're not, they're not sleeping calmly. They're, they are frantic. They worry. They panic. They fear. They're afraid. We are like the disciples. Storms can shake us up. They can rattle us. But in Jesus, we have security. And in, in the face of a storm, in Christ, we can say evil is conquered. Yes, wind and storms will come our way. That's the truth. Yes, the power of evil still has sway in the world where bad things might befall us. Sometimes in this world, bad things happen. Tragedies strike. But the power of evil was broken on the cross and in the power of the empty tomb. Jesus Christ is risen. And so even though we can be hurt, yes, we can even be killed, Storms cannot and will not shake us or sink us. They can't. Mark invites us today, we who identify with the disciples in the boat, he invites us to do as they did, to literally go and wake Jesus up. And, 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 and wake him up. But, but unlike the disciples, actually trust in Jesus. But wake him up. Tell him you're afraid. Tell them you fear. Tell them you're worried. Tell them you don't understand. Tell them you're angry even like they did. But trust in him. And Jesus, your, your head can hit the pillow every night and you can rest in complete security that God's got this. No storm can overthrow you because the greatest storm already has overthrown Jesus. No storm can sink your ship because Christ's ship was sunk and he overcame it by rising from the dead. He overcame this storm and he has power to overcome every storm in this life because he is the one true God. So our, our passage ends with the disciples full of great fear and they're saying to each other, I love how it ends, right? It just says, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey them? That's how it ends. It ends like that because a nature miracle brings us into thinking about identity. Who then is this? Who is this Jesus who can command wind and sea? Healings and exorcisms, those things are not uncommon in, in Jesus' day. But one who could command, who has power and authority over wind and, and sea, that is something completely different. That's something outstanding. That's something non-human. Something divine. Um, one biblical example that this event 
this story probably should remind us of in the Old Testament is the story of, of Jonah and his calling uh, to, to go to a place called Nineveh. Uh, you can read about this whole story in, in, in Jonah chapter 1. But uh, the Lord causes great wind to stir up the sea and, and the, sta- the sailors on this boat while, while Jonah is fleeing from God's call and going to another place, another land uh, called Tarshish. Uh, the sea is raging and sailors are panicking and they all start praying each to their own god, right? All their different gods. And one of the sailors gets the idea, well, we should definitely wake up Jonah. Maybe his god will work, right? Maybe his god will, will be the one to calm the, the waves. And actually, uh, things go a little differently. But, but like Jesus, Jonah was sleeping during the waves, during this great storm. And so we're meant to identify Jesus with Jonah here, but not as necessarily the same person. We're meant to see, as Matthew 12 points out, a great contrast that something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus doesn't pray for God to calm the storm. Jesus himself calms the storm. He has the power and authority to do that. In Jesus' time period... People believe that having authority over sea and wind, that, that, that if, you, if you possess that kind of power, that's something that's unique to God. In our call to worship this morning, we heard um, Pastor Adam read Psalm 89, verse 9, and, and it says of God, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. So by Jesus calming the chaotic rough, violent sea, he's proving to them that he is God. He's God over all things, evil forces, nature, every event, every trauma. And he has all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus has that same power that once liberated captive Israel from Egypt and and allowed for them to cross the great Red Sea that, you know, that power that split apart that, that ocean, Jesus has that power. Jesus has that same power in him that once turned chaos into order back in Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of time. Jesus has that power. And so th- this is why we are, we, the, our passage wants us to, to see that we're to trust in Jesus. He is the one who's in control. And so we can trust him with whatever burden we're carrying. Or, or concerns we have, or the weight that's on our shoulders that's weighing us down. Whatever you're facing, whatever storm you're facing in life. And Jesus is the God who's, who's in control over all things, and he's leading history towards his ultimate victory. When the waters of our tears and the waves of our pain come crashing down and are stilled forever, in Christ, every bad storm will end, and there will be peace like a river. So we confess that we live chaotic lives. We let storms toss us and blow us around, and we struggle. But Jesus' insides never once shook with chaos like ours, ours do. He never went on doubting God's existence or doubting God's love for him just because things weren't going his way. In fact, Before he died, he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thy will be done. 
He subjected himself to the Father's will. And I, I say all that not to shame any one of us here. Right? I'm not saying that Jesus was so awesome, you suck. You know? like, that's, not the, that's not the point. The, the point of that is, look at all that Jesus has accomplished. Look at all of what Jesus has already done for you. That's why he came, because God cares for you, because God loves you. It's to remind you of that. Instead of trying to figure out how to calm the chaos of your own life, you can rejoice with confidence that we don't have to because Jesus has already calmed the chaos. He's calmed the storm. And we have a spirit living inside of us. So God's making order out of chaos, turning houses into homes. Now we only need to pay attention and keep trusting in him. For those of us here wondering still, is God asleep? Is God sleeping? I hope your soul's beginning to wake up and, and be stirred and wake up from the slumber to, 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 to remember this third possibility that just because God hasn't answered your prayer in the way that you wanted it to be answered or, or life hasn't panned out the way that you'd hoped, it doesn't mean that God isn't listening or that he doesn't care. God's shown us that he cares to the fullest in his son. He suffered and died so that all who believe in him would never suffer and die. And for those of you who are trusting in Jesus, I want you to remember this, that the crucified and and risen Jesus is always with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And you are never alone. 